welcome to the Living Movies Podcast, brought to you in part by Water and Shade Media. I'm your host, John Schindel, and this week I'm joined by Jared Bateman, and we're here to discuss the movie Up. So this week we watched the movie Up, and this is the first time that I've ever seen it, because I think we've talked about it ad nauseum now, but... Uh, this was in the period of my life when I wasn't watching children's movies. And so I never saw this one until a couple nights ago when I watched it. And for me, it's been definitely uh, kind of a family favorite. Um, I, I think I'm, I, I'm like Pavlovian conditioned to have emotional responses to this movie. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I'm like, oh, yeah, and this is the part where I cry. Oh, no, I'm crying now. <laughs> It's like the little uh-huh. bell with the drooling, except it's coming at my eyes anyway. Right? Oh, I can totally see it, man. I at the at the end of the beginning montage, I was I was tearing up. Like they they hit me right in the fields with that when when Ellie dies and and he's left without her and you know just seeing that their dreams never came true and that that they tried to save and tried to save and they never got to go. And I was like, Oh man. Oh, yeah. it got, that got me. Yeah. And it's definitely one of those when, when you see, and, and, and for me in particular, seeing um, husbands who lose their wives. Um, mm-hmm. It's just such a heartbreaking thing. So um, definitely from when uh, my grandpa lost his, wife when grandma died and then when my mom died just kind of that um kind of a callback to oh now you're alone and you go about your life and what do you do so um yeah Yeah. definitely feel for those kind of those people in that position well and not only that but like his whole world was was shattered because he was living in you know in i guess kind of mild suburbia and then all of a sudden he's old and he's got the only house left in the middle of skyscrapers yeah which i have questions about how that works from a property standpoint but we can get to that later yeah at a certain point like imminent domain (laughs) kicks in and you're just kind of it's stolen from you anyway but we'll assume that this was at a time in which maybe imminent domain laws were not so fierce (laughs) sure because imminent laws imminent domain laws have gotten better over the years um, but yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a nitpick I have with this one is I'm not quite sure how that whole, that whole thing happened, but you know, that's okay. I'll let it slide. Yeah. <laughs> it, it did kind of make his decision and his, um, exodus all the more poignant. Cause it wasn't just like, well, contractors offering you what they estimate your market value price to be for the house and. They're going to pay you that money and then bulldoze it if you don't leave by Sunday. You know, like that's not as emotionally poignant as the whole like, you know, them having to try to find a way out and going through the yeah. court and all that and him being declared a menace so that they can get him put away in a retirement home and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, that was that was rough. It was <laughs> You're just like, oh, poor guy. That was that was very heavy handed for a children's movie to throw the court system at you. <laughs> Yeah, and and just so much in the first, you know, quarter of the movie that's just kind of unspoken, and you're just, oh, 
that's what happened. Oh, that's what happened. Uh-huh. I, I know we'll get to this later as well, but I don't... I realize Pixar makes kids movies, but I'm not... I'm not entirely sure who the target audience is for this movie. I don't that's, know if it is kids. That's what I was thinking, too. It's almost like two different movies. It is. Like, the beginning half is one movie, and then, like, the middle is something else, and the very end is kind of back to the first half. Yeah. And the, and the mean, part I, in the middle is like, I'm not sure this. there's a bird and some dogs and... I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and then you get back to like, oh, okay. I, I, the first time I watched it, I thought this was going to be like one of those like M. Night Shyamalan movies where yeah. it was like, it was all a dream and they were actually at Goodwill or something. <laughs> you know, like, you know, he was actually in the park this whole time and they were just imagining things and then he made friends with the kid or something. You know, like I was kind of expecting some kind of you know, weird yeah. twist like that. And it's almost weirder that like, nope, now he just lives in a giant Zeppelin. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And apparently it only takes a couple days by Zeppelin to go from, I guess, wherever he is in the United States all the way down to South America. Right. Or not even a couple of days. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure how that works. Again, some questions I have with this movie because I know how hot air balloons work and they don't, move they don't work like that. <laughs> no, they move at the speed of wind. Yeah. And wind doesn't really go north south like that. So, um, yeah, you'd have to hit it just right. Yeah. Most, That's most true. of the wind kind of just goes around middle school, um, science and, studying weather yeah most of the wind patterns are east west uh-huh your jet streams anyway yeah anyway random random <laughs> thoughts there i'm not uh, more more holes to poke in this movie I, the the scientific backing in this one is very sketchy oh uh, so many <laughs> so many just all right <laughs> Okay, yeah, move I on mean, to the talking dogs or not well, and even i the, don't know <laughs> the talking the talking dogs i have less problem with honestly than, it's than true. the balloon that floats where it goes. And I'm even willing to ignore the fact that, that to actually fly that house, it would require like 10 times the amount of balloons he had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Somebody did the math for it. It was like, I don't know, 20 million and he had like 20,000 or something. It was. Yeah. Um, and I know, I know Pixar actually like, did the yeah, math whatever. and they were like, yeah, we just can't, we can't do that. That's not, that's not visually accurate. So we're just going to make it so it looks good. Which is fair. Oh, sure. I get it. Which is why, which is why I'm fine with that. Like, sure. It would require, 10 times that number of balloons, whatever. That's fine. Talking dogs, whatever. That's fine. How are you going North South <laughs> in a balloon? This doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. There's, <laughs> there's a number of, of those that kind of honestly kind of took me out of the moment where, you, where, where I was just, wait, that doesn't make sense. What is that doing there? Yeah. I don't know. It, the whole the whole movie kind of has has this weird feel of like this really kind of heavy somberness to it, like an old Victorian house, you know, especially the be the beginning and the end. And then the middle, uh -huh. it's like trying to trying to kind of pull it up with these like super lighter than air moments, you know. It, it, the whole yeah. picture of a house being suspended by balloons is like that's exactly how the movie feels. 
You have this incredibly <laughs> heavy, weighty stuff on either end. And then mm-hmm. in the middle, it's trying to pick it up with this super light and carefree stuff. And it's just, it's, you're not really sure who it's for. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an odd juxtaposition. Well, and then, you know, other things that bug me is they apparently can like drop down far enough that the house just kind of follows them down. Why can't they climb back up into their house? Like Carl can hold on to it and he can pull it. Why can't he pull it down? Or I don't know that the whole, the whole, we have to, we have to strap ourselves to the house and pull it instead of just figure out a way to get back on it. That drove me nuts for the entire (laughs) second half of the movie. It's like, just, just get on the stupid house again and all of your problems go away. Right. Instead of like pulling it around and yeah. Yeah. But then they wouldn't have met the dog or the bird. Yeah, I know. And it, and everything would have been (laughs) fine because (laughs) right. They apparently couldn't find the bird anyway. So bird would have been fine. Doug would have just been Doug and he would have been the runt of all of the dog's jokes, but whatever they would have made it to the waterfalls you know, Carl wouldn't have learned his lessons about how the best things in life are the people around you. Not exactly. Not the dreams of, you know, long, long past that don't matter anymore. But so I, I get it. Like the, the whole movie would be different and Carl wouldn't learn anything, but still like, seriously, Carl's a pretty practical guy. Just get on the stupid house again and go. <laughs> yeah. That bothered yep. me. That bothered me a lot. <laughs> But, but again, that's just part of the whole, the middle part was so different from the rest. Anyway. Um, yeah. Okay. So apparently I, I thought the whole landscape of the area they're in, Paradise Falls, I thought it was just so bizarre. You have this sort of plateau of all this rocky stuff. And then there's a waterfall that feeds into like all of a sudden it's jungle down below. And it's just, it looks so cartoonishly wrong but apparently there's a place in venezuela that looks a whole lot like that and actually has the highest waterfall in the world and that's what this whole place was based off of so i cut them a little slack right there Um, i i could i could see that i mean it's weird i've been to the grand canyon and the grand canyon is basically a desert on the top and a desert on the bottom but, you know, I could see if if there's a I could see there being an actual place like that in South America somewhere. I think one of the things that's really kind of fascinating about this film is there's a whole lot of imagery going on. Mm-hmm. And that makes for just some really interesting and poignant moments. This has got to be like, I don't know, fifth time I've seen this movie. And even I was kind of catching some things that I hadn't noticed the other times around. Um, so I'm kind of curious what some of the things were that you found um, as far as kind of some of the imagery or lessons that were kind of more shown than spoken. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and take a quick break. And, and when we come back, we will talk about, we'll, we'll go through characters and then we'll go through some ideas and plot points. Um, and then, and then talk about scenes that I noticed and, and yeah, we'll try and we'll try and cover those things. I know we talk about movies here, but something that's also important as parents is spending quality time away from screens. 
which is something that can be difficult. So I'm really excited to bring you Rooted Childhood. So each month of Rooted Childhood offers a curated set of stories, poetry, books, and eight simple handicraft projects, along with a detailed supply list, video tutorials, and beautiful photos for inspiration. Now, Rooted Childhood will help you spend quality time with your children instead of spending that time coming up with the next activity to do. This is something that my wife has used in the past when life just comes at us too fast and we need some help to figure out the right things to do with our kids. And it's been awesome. So if you're interested in finding out more about Rooted Childhood, follow the link in the show notes of this episode to check it out for yourself and to start exploring all the things that you can do with your children. All right, so... Let's talk about the characters for a minute, because this is another one where there is a there is an antagonist, but the antagonist doesn't show up until the very end of the movie. And so it's almost a character driven. It's a character driven story based on a man's grief over his his lost wife and and what he feels is his lost life. Um, and so you've got, you've got the, the main character, uh, Carl, what's his name? Carl, uh, Fredrickson. And so he and his wife meet when they're young and she's an adventurer at heart. And they always have this dream to go to this place and they save money for it and they can never save enough because life happens. And then she's getting old and he buys plane tickets to go. And then she gets sick and she dies And they never get to go to this place. And Carl is left with that hole inside of him going, I could never give this to my wife, even though I promised her, oh, so many years ago that we would go. And so he decides to go and he takes his whole house with him because this is the house that he and his wife have loved and where they have spent their life and where they've built everything they have together. And also because she always dreamed of putting the house at the top of the waterfall. And so at the beginning of the movie, Carl is very much focused inward on himself and on Ellie, his wife, and and doesn't seem to really care about anything else around him. He's very much a grumpy old man at this point. And and you see that in his interactions with with the kid, Russell. You know, Russell shows up and just wants to earn a merit badge or wilderness patch or something because he's not a Boy Scout. Yeah, because they would have had to pay money to Boy Scouts to put the name in there probably. Yeah. So he's not a boy it's scout clearly generic brand boy, boy scout. scout. <laughs> yeah. Generic, generic brand boy scout, uh, store brand. He's yes. store brown, store brand boy. <laughs> Great <scout>. value. <laughs> uh-huh. it's the, it's the tastios of boy scouts. <laughs> so, so Russell ends up just kind of tagging along because he's there. And, I, I I enjoyed Carl's thought about uh, lowering Russell down and then, oops, I dropped him. <laughs> the the things that go through his head as he's trying to uh-huh. get rid of the kid are great. I love that. I can that see was... my house from here. Ah! <laughs> that yeah, was great. I, enjoy, I enjoyed that moment. That was great. <laughs> and the, but yeah, I mean, go ahead. No, just the way they do the, the emotional expressions for <laughs> For the old man, Mister Fredrickson, it's just hilarious. You, you can just great. you can see. It. I mean, it's 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 very cartoony, but it's just so on point. It's fun. 
Uh, he's the picture of an old of an old crotchety man. Uh, he reminds me of uh, I don't know if you ever saw the movies Grumpy Old Men with uh, Don Lemon and Walter Matthau. No, but he reminds me of those guys. Great, mm. great sets of movies. If you've never seen them, they're wonderful. Um, but yeah, it reminds me of just old grumpy, old grumpy guy. And and we you know we've all met that guy. He's just sad that life passed him by and that he never got to do the things he wanted to do. And now he's old and dying and it's sad. And that's where Carl finds himself. And, and throughout the movie, Carl goes from being that old grumpy man who doesn't care about anything in the world except for him and his, his, uh, his, his wife and his house. And it's all about me and my things. And at the end of the movie, he, he finds that he, he loves this boy and he has this dog that loves him. And there's a bird that he, for some reason cares for. And <laughs> like there's, there's all of these things. And, and by the end of the movie, the change that you see in Carl is that he goes from being a person who cares only about himself and what he feels and what he wants. And, and he's, he's led by his grief and the feeling of loss that he has. And he gets to the, to a place at the end of the movie where he realizes that, Hey, life is about more than just the dreams that we had. And life is about more than just the things that we've lost. Life is about the things that we have, the the things that we share with the people around us. Yeah, and there's there's some really interesting and kind of multifaceted themes going on here that just have so much to do with kind of aging of any kind and just your approach to life in general. And I think especially as you've already had some of it, um, but the whole idea of not being so hung up on what you didn't do in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's, there's those, uh, I don't want to like spoil too much of it because there's so many good scenes. Uh, (laughs) All right. It's going to be spoiled. So (laughs) I was going to say, I figure uh, by, uh, so, so if if you you don't know by now, let's do this, (laughs) right? Just if you watch haven't watched this, yeah. If you haven't watched this movie yet, know that there is. Let's let's do the parental warnings right now. There is a lot of action. There's a lot of hanging off of houses and like nearly plunging to your death thousands of feet below. So that's a thing. If you don't like if you don't like heights, this might not be a movie for you. Um, if you're not okay with talking dogs, I guess. Uh, or or the fact that the dogs hate squirrels because do- dogs and squirrels. Um, I don't know, but there's there's not really anything else in this movie that that's even worthy of a parental warning. There's really not, and it's it's so G-rated. I mean, even even the chase scenes, like nothing bad happens. Like right. the dogs are chasing the good guys, and the boulders fall and knock them off a cliff, and they land in water and swim away. Yeah, like nobody nobody really gets hurt, or the only guy that ostensibly dies is the villain at the very end and Ellie at the very beginning. Uh, everybody else, you know, yeah. makes it out just fine. And it's all hunky dory, um, which is why I'm just like, the middle is so <laughs> different. <laughs> it's such a G rated right? kids movie. Um, it is, it's, it it's, is. it's so, even more G rated than like probably any of the kids movies we've gone through to this point. <laughs> But yeah. the themes are so heavy. It, it it's so Ugh. heavy and emotional, and and I don't. I, it's kind of a lot like like when we reviewed Onward or Soul. 
it's heavy to the point that I don't know. I don't know if children are going to get the heaviness of it because they, they might not, they might, I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, we're talking about talking to Jed about Ratatouille and, and his kids were just missing all of the, all of the legal beats and all of the adult beats in that one. And so I, I would assume that's going to be the way it is for a lot of kids where they just, they miss, they miss a lot of what's going on and they're there for the talking dogs and the colorful bird and the chase scenes and the excitement. And so I think it works as a kid's movie, but I think you're absolutely right. And, and, and it's, it's, I think it's less about picking up little individual things like in say Ratatouille and a little more about your level of empathy. Um, because I think kids just in general lack the life experience Mm-hmm. to have empathy for people who aren't in their stage of life because they've only been in one stage of life. <laughs> yeah. Right. They don't really know anything yeah. outside of childhood. They won't remember infancy and 99.99% of them. And all they know is childhood. So being able to empathize with someone who's at the end of his life and has regrets or um, is, is, caught up in the things that you didn't do. I mean, those are just heavy concepts that would be very mm-hmm. difficult to communicate to, you know, a kid. Well, to someone who, who hasn't had experiences to regret. I mean, there, right. there are things in my life that I regret. Sure. I think back to college days. There are things I would have, and, and my wife and I had this discussion a couple weeks ago is, Hey, if you could go back to college and, and relive it knowing now or knowing then what you know now, what are some things you would do differently? And man, it was, it was a, it was a heavy conversation. Cause it was like, yeah, I would have done a lot differently. I, and, and I truly regret some of the things that I either did or didn't do mm-hmm. because I look back at it and I go, man, what an opportunity I had to do things that I've never had the opportunity to do again. I mean, you know, I love basketball. And when I was in college, there were basketball games that happened every morning, like, you know, 6am people would just play basketball from six to eight and then they'd go to class. And I was like, ah, six is too early to wake up. I'm not, I'm not about that life. Even though I had 8am classes. So, you know, what's, what's two extra hours to go play basketball, dude, I would love to do that now, but but I can't cause it's not there and my body doesn't work right. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's a thing I truly regret. And that, and so I, I have a, I have a piece of that and a taste of what Carl's going through at the end of this movie, but a kid, like they, they don't, they don't have those regrets. Their regret is, well, I wish I would have had the chocolate ice cream instead of the mint chocolate chip because, because children don't understand that mint chocolate chip is one of the best ice creams. Right. Just the, the leap to go from, I really should have played more, you know, uh, should have played more basketball when I was in college. I could have made more friends and that kind of thing. It's, it's much easier for us to be able to make that kind of leap to, Oh yeah, I can, I can empathize with what it would be like to feel like you had failed your wife. Yeah. That's, that's a leap that you can make Uh, going Mm -hmm. from, Oh man, I wish I hadn't, you know, made a mess and, and had to get, you know, grounded and go to bed early. I wonder right. what <laughs> they're feeling. That's, that's just, it's not, it's not, they're, there. they're learning different <laughs> lessons at that stage in life. And, and trying to pick up on that level of empathy is just going to be an unlikely task. 
Yeah. But there's lots of pretty colors, so it's not like they're going to get bored. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, fine. My, uh, you know, and, and, and we'll, we'll do it in, in here in a little bit. We'll, we'll spoil the movie to, to high heaven. So if you've not seen it, I, I think it's a great movie. I think, I think it's a movie that kids would enjoy. I don't know how much of the life lessons kids are going to take out of this movie. Life lessons kids take out of this movie might be dogs are cool and birds are cool and exploring is cool and you should go out and do things. And wouldn't it be cool to have a house that floats? But there is some repeat value. I think watching this movie as an eight year old and watching it again as a 16 year old, you pick up so much more. I could see that. I I, 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 I could was, see having seen this movie multiple times being being a very good thing. Yeah, and and just every time, and maybe you know, watching it at different stages of life, um, and yeah. as you see other people you know go through other stages of life, and just being able to be like, oh, okay, I get this now. I get it. Yeah, I think that could be. I think that's definitely a cool thing. I, I know for me, just kind of seeing different pieces of it. Um, and, and getting something a little different each time I've seen it has been pretty cool. Um, and I'm a grown up, so I think kids can do it too. Grown up. <laughs> I'm going to say something else. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you're not an old man yet. No. Heavens no. <laughs> oh, man. No. All right. So now, now that we've done that, you know, final verdict on the movie. It's a great movie. It's a great movie if, if you want to watch it with your kids. I don't, I mean, so long as your kids can handle, um, some mild, I guess, mild thrills, then I think, I think most kids would be fine to watch this movie. So, so, so John, did your kids watch this with you or no, no, I, again, because I'd never seen it. I didn't, I didn't want to show it. That's fair. I I didn't want to share it to them. The other thing is I still don't I still don't know if it's if my youngest ones would even enjoy the movie. Um because there's some know, my youngest slow ones because they're so young. They're yeah. they're 3 and 5. Yeah. So they're they're so young that that even even the pretty colors in the middle part I I just I don't know if it would be an enjoyable experience for them. So I don't I don't know if my children will be watching this movie for for another couple of years. Um, which is kind of sad for my older ones. We, we might, we might have to figure out how to show, share some of these movies with the older kids before the younger, but, uh, or maybe that's just the, the sad part about being an older child is that you lose out on some of these things and your younger children get to do them earlier. Like, like my little brother it is absolutely six years younger than me. <laughs> it is absolutely the truth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah Cause can, we're both oldest I, children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the truth. Uh huh. The youngest uh-huh. ones, always, I remember each young, each in the progression does it earlier and earlier, whatever it is. Yep. It's pretty yep, much do. a guarantee. Anyway. And I used to really, I, it used to really bother me. And I, I, you know, I, I was, I was very angry with my parents about it. And now I'm a parent and I'm like, well, no, that totally makes sense. Yeah. I wasn't, I was just a moron when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's just, uh, it's just the way things work. Uh-huh life just isn't fair so yeah final verdict is i will i will really enjoy sharing this movie with my children at some point uh, and when it happens i think it'll be good I, I think it's a great movie i think it's a great movie to share with children i think there's a lot of good things in this movie and we'll talk about more of those here in a minute but um but yeah great great movie to share with children i, I think i think it truly is and start with the spoilers 
right? And let's spoil the crap out of this movie. Okay. So (laughs) the guy that they revere is the bad guy. Yes. Who somehow older and yet still alive. I know (laughs) that was the thing that just took every time I've watched it. I've just been like, how does that, it's never explained and it doesn't make any sense. And I wish they'd spent 10 seconds. Like, Oh, by the way, he eats this special fruit that makes him younger every time he tastes it. I don't care. Just like something to explain why Frederickson, who's 78, he's 78 is somehow he has an age. 78. Carl Frederickson is 78. So that means that means Charles Muntz is at, at least, least 90, at least 90. Uh, yeah. OK, because just to just to be able to have had some of the experiences he had when he got kicked out of the Adventurers League or whatever the heck it was, he ha- I mean, he had to spend a couple years adventuring. Yes. So let's assume I mean, he was in his 20s and when Carl was 10, he watched the movie. So at least a 10 year. We're, we're talking what? 88, 88 minimum. Charles Munz is probably closer to 108. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That one, that that one one just threw me off. I was like, Uh, this doesn't make any sense. Well, and then the fact that both of them were spry enough to run around the airship and fight each other. I was like, really? These, these are old guys. Come on. The fight thing was funny. The part that I was like, there is no earthly way is when they're doing suspended, um, pull-ups up the ladder of the airship. Oh yeah. He's like, just hanging on by his arms going up the ladder. And I'm just like, there's no way on earth. I am a fit 20 something. And I'd have a heck of a time doing as much of that as they did in the movie. There's no way on earth. Anybody right. who's not like a professional athlete over the age of 60 is doing more than two of those Seriously? before they're just falling. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. really hard. <laughs> you know, the, the do it, it's, like- it's like it's it's not just the monkey bars. It's like the backwards monkey bars and also like at an angle. It's not that is not easy. Yeah, that is some like, yeah, almost I, yep. ninja and- competition level stuff. But anyway, well, and on top of that, they're way up in the air and not only are they way, and so therefore there's less oxygen like, mm, yeah, oh, I yeah, I had <laughs> I had issues with some of that. I think it would have worked better in my mind if they weren't that old, if if Ellie had died young and, you know, maybe they were in their 30s or 40s and she died and he was sad. I don't I don't think the emotional beats land as hard, no. but at least the physical, the physicality <laughs> of it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, or something to explain, like, like again, some kind of like magic age defying mm-hmm. fruit or something. I don't know. You're in a jungle with magic birds. You can do what you want. You know, we, oh, we have talking uh, dogs. Throw in some other magic, and we can call it good. Um, uh, it reminds me of the movie Logan, where Wolverine is really old, and yes. and then he takes like the super mutant juice and becomes really strong and powerful again. Like that needed to be the wine that they were drinking on the airship was, yes. yeah, this is the special make you young juice. And, and Carl drinks it and is like, wow, I feel young and spry again. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been nicer. <sighs> Gosh. <laughs> yeah, that was, I had, I had an issue with that, that the fact that they could like the fact that he could climb up that ladder 
but couldn't climb up the rope to get himself back onto the ship. It's like, really, guy? I know. <laughs> Come on. I mean, maybe maybe adrenaline, but adrenaline only lasts but so long. Yeah. Also, another another question here. How did the house make it back up to where the airship was at the end of the movie? Oh, uh, oh did you miss that scene? Because that was incredibly poignant. So, uh, oh, no, no, no. He took, he, he pulled, he pushed out all the stuff. I remember now. Yeah. And then they had, oh, and okay. So that was, all right. So talking about some of the best scenes, That's they, they had the chairs them. as a, as oh. a through, uh, as a, as a through, uh, it was a symbol thread, of a, him and a, Ellie. Yeah. It was a symbol of him and Ellie, them sitting in their chairs. And the funny thing I, I found is when they set up their chairs, they set up each other's chairs and I didn't realize it at first. Hmm. They they at the very beginning of the movie they push each other's chairs into place, and then they sit in in the other ones. and And uh, Carl's is the very very modern looking sitting chair, and and Ellie's is the Victorian high backed with the the wings on the sides. Mm-hmm. And but but yeah, no, you're right. And so that was a that was a through thread. And those are the chairs they sit in. That's a symbol of their togetherness and their love, and and the fact that they share their house. And then. Man, when he pushes all the stuff out of the house, what I wanted there to be is I wanted there to be a moment where he looks at the ha- at the chairs and he's like, I don't want to get rid of these. But I think it I think it made the scene so much more powerful that that he didn't even care. He was just throwing crap out of the house. Like, I got I got to get this house off the ground. I got to get it off the ground. And and that and the chairs just end up outside. Yeah, well, because they're just things because it, it's the whole. Yeah, exactly. It's just things. And it was from an adventure that already happened. Yeah. But that was the whole point of the movie is that Carl's trying to make this last adventure in memory of his wife. He's trying to make it right somehow and bringing kind of their spirit with their house to where, you know, they were supposed to have this adventure. And, and you know, feeling like he failed his wife and then he reads the book and he realizes, oh, we already had our adventure uh-huh. And she gave me permission to go live another one. And yeah. so when they when he leaves everything up on the cliff where Ellie wanted their house to be, that's saying that you know that's you know literally all the baggage from the last uh-huh. adventure. And now he's going to go have a new one, and it's this some silly thing with dogs and a bird, but it's the new adventure. It's the next thing. Yeah, right. Exactly. And it's kind of like it just doesn't matter. Like the whole middle part of the story literally doesn't matter. It could be anything. It literally doesn't matter. The whole point is that he has a new adventure. He's going to go save this kid and the dog and the stupid bird. Yeah. It it wouldn't matter. It could have been literally anything. But that's the new adventure. and I think that's almost I, I almost really like the fact that that the middle is as ridiculous as it is, because he's a very grounded person and he's grounded in reality and he's grounded in truth. And and then this adventure is just dumb. He's just talking dogs <laughs> and a colorful bird that honks at him. And like, what on earth? This is ridiculous. This is just it's all stupid. And I say that in a loving way because it, it's fun. But but you know, for for an old crotchety man who's grounded in reality, like I don't care about a dumb dog that talks to me or a colorful bird that honks. The, no, like they're no. I, so I think the the absurdity of that adventure is almost it, it, 
it it's almost better that it is so absurd because it jars his reality enough to pull him out of to to pull him out of the fact that he's trying to relive old adventures and he needs to move on to the new ones. Uh Russell Russell has a line uh when when they're when he's talking about his dad, he he talks about the story of uh his dad's going to pin the badge on his merit badge that's not a merit badge because he's not a boy scout. And and oh gosh, where is it? I wrote it down. Um he's telling the story about how they'd pin the merit badge on and then they'd go to the the ice cream parlor and they'd eat ice cream on the on the on the the gosh the curb and they'd count cars and he's like yeah he said it might sound boring but but i think it's the boring stuff i remember the most yeah and that's one of the most that was kind of the thing that i picked up on again watching yeah. this time so when he goes to the place where their house is supposed to be it's just barren there's nothing there it's just rocks and a waterfall and a beautiful mm-hmm. view but there's nothing going on there it's just a bunch of rocks and and where he dumps out all the furniture there where their house was supposed to be it's just a bunch of dead rocks there's nothing yep. there it's not beautiful it's not alive in any way and i think that illustrates that same point that russell makes earlier in the movie about it's the ordinary yeah. things the stuff that's down in the valleys that's the stuff that lives and thrives all these kind of big, big, tall, you know, mountaintop experiences aren't where you grow things in the same way that yeah. the valleys are. And so this was this kind of interesting um, kind of imagery that I picked up this time that I didn't, all those others, I watched it. Um, and that's really kind of the, the point that Ellie makes is that all those ordinary moments that they had together, all the picnics, all the, you know, building the house and all those things that mm-hmm. were very you know, as you said, kind of more grounded stuff, but that was where life was. It wasn't yeah, in that was actually going to Venezuela or wherever it was. <laughs> um, was it? Was it supposed to be Venezuela? I don't know. It was, it was south. It was always South South America. America wherever. I don't yeah. think they ever. I don't think they ever gave a location. Yeah, I, I don't know. Anyway, it was. They might have, but it, I missed it. It was never really about going there. It was about uh-uh. all the real everyday stuff. Um, yeah, and that was one that I just was like, "Oh, that's killer." It is. Well, I think I think as parents, that's something that is very important to keep in mind. That yes, the big things are important, but so is everything else. Uh, we talk, my wife and I, we talk about. Uh, quality time versus quantity time. And I know that's a, it's a pretty cliche thing at this point that, yeah, is it, is it quality or quantity? What really matters? But we, so we moved away from home when our first two kids were really little. And, and then we had a third and then we were going to have the fourth, which turned into twins. So we still have an extra kit. So if you want one, we got an extra one. (laughs) Um, I joke. Um, so we were, so we were in a place away from family. I, we, we made some friends, but you know, whatever it, I, friends and family are different. And so we made the choice like, Hey, we don't like the place we're living. We want to go somewhere else, but where, where do we want, where do we want to spend the next couple of years of our life? And what we decided was it's great to see family every once in a while. And it's great to have like a vacation where you spend time for a week with family. I, we took a vacation with you 
with you guys, you and your wife over the summer. And it was great, but it was one week. And so my wife and I decided, look, we want to live real close to some family because we want to spend time with them. We want to spend week in, week out time and really share life. And, and what we discovered is that the relationship that we formed with, with those people was so much deeper because it was just time doing mundane, dumb things day in, day out. And, and it wasn't, we didn't try and cram in all of the stuff into one weekend. It was just, you know, every couple of days we'd see them and, and we'd hang out and then we'd go about our daily life. And so I I think, I think that's one of the things this movie is talking about. And one of the things we can garner as parents is the, the everyday mundaneness with our children is so important Mm -hmm. to, to be able to be present during those moments. And it's hard. It is hard to be present with children because children can be children. <laughs> childish. They can be so childish. Gosh, they why don't they just grow up? Um, I, but but I think it's so important for us to, to be present with our children because, like Russell says, those are the memories he has with his dad. Those are the memories that I have with my dad. Just just doing random crap around the house or or playing in the yard or whatever. Those are the memories that I have, not the... I mean, I have memories of vacations, but, but the stuff that I really remember, the stuff that forms the relationship that I have with my parents today is based on all the mundane nonsense that we did when we were kids. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think that's really true because what makes those, you know, exceptional moments better is because you already have that relationship from all that mundane stuff. Right. Yep. And so that's what gives you the potential for those exceptional moments is because of all that mundane and you can kind of be there for, you know, those things, you know, first learning how to ride a bike or all that, you know, kind of exceptional stuff is there because, because you're there for the everyday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And learning to ride your bike is cool, but also what's really cool is just taking bike rides. Yeah. And having that be a part of normal life. Yeah. So I think I think that's the big takeaway and the biggest idea of this that that this movie presents. And I don't know if it's one that kids get. So I, I guess maybe we need to talk about what what ideas that this movie actually presents to children. But I think that's the big one for adults and for parents who watch this movie. And and, and honestly, it reminds me a lot of the the final the final message of the movie Soul. And so again, I think we found a better a better soul. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. This is oh man. Yeah, right? no, on so many beats, it's it's better. And also, like Soul, and, and there's weird in-between moments. <laughs> You're like, oh, that was odd. Oh, that was cool. Well, yeah. that was odd. <laughs> well, directed by the same guy. So oh. Pete, Pete Doctor directed both of those. Yep. So I, I think that's why. I think we might. We might yeah, be onto something. I, it, <laughs> we might be onto something. The, he also directed Inside Out. So I'm super curious to see that one, too, and see if it has some of these same elements. But it, it's, oh. it has a lot of those same elements of enjoy the world around you. Your dreams are cool. Go for your dreams. That's great. But don't lose sight of the mundane everyday stuff around you. Yeah, it's, it's cool. I I think you're right though, that most of the big ideas are really geared towards adults. I think so. Um, It's, it's really all, I mean, not that kids can't learn it, but the people who care are adults. So Sorry. let's talk about then what is what does this movie have for children? What are what are some of the ideas that that this movie pushes at children? 
uh, find a mentor, I think, is a big one. Um, that's one uh-huh. of the big differences we've seen between uh, Carl and Russell. They were both kids who just loved exploring and um, being out in the world and all that kind of stuff. They were they were all about it. Um, obviously, they each had different personalities and, and different ways that that worked out. But um, we see there's a difference between Carl's hero worship of the guy who ends up being a villain and Russell's friendship and mentorship with Carl. Yeah. And that's really cool. You know, here he was, he's, he's, you know, trying to help this old man cross the street or find a (laughs) snipe or whatever it is. Um, And, and really he gets, he's also, it's kind of a cry for help because he wants, yeah, to show that he's good at something and he wants mm-hmm. somebody to show him how to do things right because he doesn't have his dad around anymore to do any of that for him. And so, you know, Carl has to kind of be like a, a surrogate grandpa, which is another yeah. really good kind of closing the loop on some things. Cause part of that whole opening montage was that they weren't able to have any kids. Yeah. You know, that's kind of the first rough beat is is the whole like oh <laughs> all the clouds are babies let's have a baby we can't have babies um, <laughs> yeah that hurt oh, that hurt a lot <laughs> ouch ouch oh it's so yeah uh-huh <laughs> anyway and so there's there's carl who's no longer isolated with his memories he's doing something for this kid Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really important thing. And you look at, I am in a job where I'm either dealing with or I'm second, third hand old people who don't have anybody. Hmm. And they're either getting stuck in retirement homes or there's some caseworker that the state's assigned them or something. And it's really sad that they're so alone like Carl. Yeah. Yeah. And so Carl gets his happy ending because he finds a kid who really likes him and he starts investing and he gets life out of this adventure with this kid. And I feel sorry for so many people who don't have that opportunity or who don't take it. That's a somber adult thought. So it, it, it so is uh, my, my dad was a nursing home administrator for a long time. And it was, it was always rough to go to the nursing home and see uh, the, the old people that were there to die. Yeah. And then you talk to some of the nurses and people and be like, yeah, no one comes, no one comes to see these people. They're, they're literally just put here to die. And, and it's not true. Not, not no one there, there, there were, there were people that would go and see them and, and there were, there were, good families that they put their parents there because that was a good place for them. But so many of them weren't. So, so many of them were just there stashed away to get rid of them. So they would go die somewhere else. And I I think that's an indictment on our, on our culture. And, and I think, I think that's one thing, like, like you said, I think that's something that this movie should help us to see is that as, as you get older, having relationships with the younger generations is so good. And it's so important, not only for, not only for you, the old person, but also for the young Mm -hmm. people like it, 
that that two-way relationship is so important. Yeah. It's why I'm not worried about being in an old church. This is very true. It's, I mean, it's, it's not, <laughs> it's not on a par with, you know, visiting your grandparents in the nursing home or something, but now we're talking about old people. <laughs> yeah. So again, though, that's, that's more of a, that's more of a, a thing for adults though. So Let's see. Another idea that I think this movie pushes out for children. I think this movie talks a lot about keeping your word. Mm. Yep. And and being being true to the things that you say. You know, Carl promises Ellie early in the movie that he'll he'll take her to this place and he'll help her uh he'll help her make this dream come true. And even after she she dies, he still wants to fulfill that promise that he made to her because Carl is a man of his word. And then towards the end of the movie, at one point, Russell says something that, that is what jolts Carl out of his old grumpy manness when the house is on the, uh, on the, the desert Hill. And it's right before he clears out all the stuff out of his house. Uh, uh, you know, the uh, Russell's like, you, you broke your word. I'm going to go do what we said we were going to do because you won't. And Carl realizes, Oh, I, I wasn't being true. I wasn't following through on what I said. And so I think that's something that this movie does really well is, is say, no, you, you, if you promise a thing, you better deliver to, to the best you possibly can. If you promise that you're going to do something, you had better do it. Yeah. That's definitely an important theme. And it's one that I think kids can get. I think another one that might be. Oh yeah, uh, it's it's kind of a kid theme. It's just kind of the importance of having like a male authority figure. It's good to have a dad. Yeah, you know, or somebody like one. Yeah, uh, but I feel like uh, kids probably know that already. I think I think instinctually they do. <laughs> I don't think you have to teach them that. I I think that's kind of there. I think it is. I think we're I think we're born with a desire to have parents who love us and teach us and and discipline us and teach Mm -hmm. or i guess i already said teach but more spankings right (laughs) but that's sorry (laughs) (laughs) i feel feel like you're quoting something i can't place it (laughs) uh monty python okay yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) um but uh but yeah i mean kids kids long for Kids long for boundaries. They long for discipline. They long for structure. They long for learning. And, and there's a, that's a, that's human nature to long for those things, especially when you're a child and kids do really well when they're given boundaries and they try and push those boundaries all the time. And it's a constant struggle. But when children have boundaries, they do really well. And if there's no one to give those child, those firm boundaries lovingly, then, then the child people, those children never learn how to live within a set of boundaries. And so they grow up thinking they can do whatever they want. Yeah. You have to be taught boundaries before you can pick them for yourself. Uh huh. I think it's putting the cart before the horse to assume uh-huh. that children can make their own boundaries when they yeah. haven't been taught what yeah. boundaries are to begin with. If you haven't given them a good example, then they're not going to make good choices. Yep. When it comes to placing boundaries. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. That's I, our philosophy on child discipline, apparently. Right. <laughs> yeah. These are things we're dealing with. Uh, I don't know what other what other ideas are there for for children. I mean, dogs are cool. 
I guess. Yeah. That's, the dog's hilarious. I mean, they did such a good job of like personifying the different dog breeds. And uh-huh. It's funny. It was great. I loved, I loved the Doberman's voice for half the movie. <laughs> it was great. I love Doberman's and I think it was hilarious. It was wonderful that that giant menacing dog would have the Tweety Bird voice. Or I yeah. guess, I guess uh, Chipmunk, they had a Chipmunk they voice. They Chipmunked it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was wonderful. I, I enjoyed hilarious. that. Oh, that was great. Yeah. No, love, love dogs. Uh, I guess don't, don't hunt down exotic birds just because you want to. Right. There, there's that. That's a That was in there somehow. Yeah. Dogs will eat your hot dog if you're not paying attention. So yeah. don't let them. Don't mess with old men. Don't mess with <laughs> old men because clearly, clearly they're more in shape than you think. Because they're resourceful and they don't give a darn. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm taking yeah. my house with me. <laughs> oh, Yeet. man. Anyway. Ah, uh, well, all right. So I think I think there's some some messages in here for kids. I think to be perfectly honest, I think this is a movie for either older children or adults. And it's just also a fun ride for children. It's like the opposite of most children's movies. Most children's movies throw in a few, you know, little tidbits and things for parents and kind of side jokes and stuff like that that are, you know, funny for more adult audiences. And the rest uh-huh. of it's just very, you know, kid focused. This is like completely the opposite where there's like, oh, we'll throw in, you know, a it's not even a fart joke. We'll throw in a, you know, silly dog joke here or there for the kids. And the rest of it is really deep themes. <laughs> it's just yeah. kind of like an inverse of most children's movies. Oh, it's so funny. But I think I think overall it's a really good movie. I, I really enjoyed watching it. I'm, I'm going to enjoy watching it again. Yeah. And, and I think just because of its, its kind of timeless message and its complex themes and it's just kind of weird way of delivering them it's kind of going to be a classic in its own in its own right i think so well if you've made it this far in our show i'm thinking this one this episode ended up being a little bit longer because we rambled on to to all kinds of ends about this movie but if you made it this far thanks for giving us a listen uh if you enjoy what we're doing tell someone else about us and let them know that we're a show that's out there you can give us a review on whatever podcast player you're using. That would be cool. You can get a hold of us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram at Living Movies Pod. Uh, thank you at Living Movies Pod. Wow, I'm really bad at this right now. <laughs> or you can email us at Living Movies Podcast at gmail.com. Well, thanks for listening, and we will catch you on the next one. I guess I never said thank you to you. Thanks, Jared, for for hanging out with me and discussing this movie. I had a good time. Oh, thanks. (laughs) 